Pop Sugar's Love Rants is brought to you by Yuli, an innovative online healthcare platform exclusively for women that says buck that to the traditional healthcare system. Get online and get faster access to women's health and medicine by visiting yuli.com.au. Hello and welcome to Pop Sugar's Love Rants. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which we're recording and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. I'm Melissa Mason, a journalist, podcaster and the host of Love Rants. We're here to have conversations that get to the heart of various topics that fall under the broad umbrella of love, sex and relationships. Throughout this series, I'll sit down with someone different as we navigate the vulnerability, embarrassment and preciousness of love and self-love. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Love Rants, the best podcast on the internet, I've decided. I am, of course, your host, Melissa Mason. That's why I think that. And today I actually have, which is really exciting for me, the original creator, the brains behind Love Rants when it was just a baby column on Pop Sugar. And now look at it. It's a whole massive thing. It's Laura Rosholi. Hi, Laura. Hi. You said my last name right. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I was like, I'm really, I'm going to nail this. I'm going to nail it. And I did. Welcome to the podcast. It's so fun to have you here. It's so exciting to be here and see it turn into a podcast because that is kind of what I thought it should be from the start. So yeah. I'm so happy that it is now. I like it. It's been such a great ride doing this. And like, it's obviously all thanks to the work that you've done online. I'm going to be a total fangirl here. I've read so many of your articles. You're so just honest and raw in the way that you write. I think it really helps other people. It's exactly how I try to write as well. So I feel like a real kinship with you in that space. Yes. I also read a lot of your work and a hundred percent. I feel like it's so funny that we've never met in person. We were talking about this before, but I always feel like the content I connect with is content that is coming from first person experience or just like a thought that you had, you know, in the shower or like on your way to going to sleep. Um, and so that's how I love to to write. I use I used to just use Pop Sugar really as my like diary. <laughs> that's what I do with the whole internet. So feel yes, you. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna stop doing our little love fest. Everyone's like, okay, guys, like you could just do this offline. We're gonna talk about something for real today. We are actually talking about another topic that I'm really passionate about, and I think is super complex. So we'll see how much we can actually get through in an episode. But mm-hmm. the topic is: Do you need to have sex? to be intimate. So as you can see, listeners, that's a lot to unpack. Let's just start with, because I know that you've written about this before, Laura, right? Yes. This is actually one of my Love Rants um, articles that I did. It was part of the column a few months ago. Yeah. And so what was your kind of, like, where did you get to with it? Like what, where, where did, I suppose, where did the idea come from first? Let's start there. Yeah, cool. Um, I had gotten out of a relationship, like a long-term relationship. So we were together for about four years. Um, and yeah, I'd freshly come out of that. And I was sort of experiencing intimacy with other people for the first time. Um, and I did that classic thing of immediately like going and having sex with someone and it was fabulous. But then after a while, I was kind of like, I don't really know if I want to have like one night stands or if sex is really like in my mind about what I want to do when mm. I'm when I was meeting people. And I think it's interesting because I got into the relationship when I was 23 and I came out of it at 27. So I feel like a lot changed for me as far as like 
having sex goes. Like it wasn't as important to me. It's like in my early 20s, I was so focused on having all of the sex and having all these experiences. And then I got out of the relationship and I was like, I kind of don't even really feel like I need to have sex. Um, So I'd had this moment with a guy who was a friend of mine. We kissed and just kind of were hanging out in an intimate way, but we weren't having sex. And I was like, man, this is really nice. Like this is a side of dating that I don't think I have experienced since I was a teenager. And why don't we? And that was where the article came around. It's so um, funny because I have like the polar opposite experience to you in that I had, oh, I mean, I've, I've kind of like keep touching on this topic and it's just too big to like go into detail ever in the podcast. But basically I spent 10 years in a really like fundamental Christian church environment, came out of that at 24 um, had sex for the first time with my boy, my second boyfriend. Um, and then we sort of were on and off for two years until I was 28. And so when I came out of that, I'd only had one sexual partner and I was like equal parts, like terrified of having sex with somebody else, but also felt this like intense pressure, which to be honest, was in all different parts of my life, but particularly around sex to, up my number. Like, and this is where I think it gets really interesting for women, right? There's this idea that we, there's this perfect number that we need to hit before we like settle down into a relationship. And I think that this is definitely changing, especially with the rise of like non-monogamy and like, like changing attitudes towards what relationships even look like. But for me at the time, I felt like I needed to land somewhere in my mind. It was like, maybe like high teens, early 20s number that I needed to hit. And I was like fixated on it. Like I would go, I wouldn't say I was like just sleeping with people just to up the number, but it was definitely in my mind. And I was keeping like a list of names. So if I slept with someone, it would be like, okay, that's number five, number six. And it was a really, yeah, I know, right? Like it was really, really a massive part of, like a massive anxiety for me, I suppose. That is so interesting. What did you feel like the number was going to bring you? Like, did you feel like it was going to bring you like a level of expertise or like, like you were going to stop feeling fearful around sex? Like what was the number sort of for? Do you know what? I don't know. It wasn't expertise because I didn't find I was learning. And like, this is a whole big part of this, right? I didn't find I was learning a lot about sex from having all these like one night stands or like brief yeah. hookups, because honestly, I've learned the most about sex in any long-term relationship that I've been in or longer term casual hookup thing. Anything where I was spending a lot of time with somebody else and we had a lot of trust and therefore could like experiment and explore mm. and like figure things out. But any Anything where I really didn't know the person and it was just like a quick thing, um, I was very performative, particularly in my 20s, and very much just like doing it and doing what I thought they might like and not really thinking about myself very much. So I don't think it was an – I don't think it was to get any experience. I think it was genuinely – this idea that I was defective and like behind everybody else and that everyone was having heaps of sex. And it was like almost like this unspoken. And I feel like this is the crux of um, our problem with sex in society is that I think we feel like everybody is doing it more 
than anyone actually is. No, I was going to say, and like, it's, it's like cool too. Like, it's like, oh, if you're mm. not having sex, then like, what are you doing? And you're kind of like, I don't know, living my life. <laughs> like, I don't think it really matters how much sex we're having, but I 100% agree with you as far as the performative element goes. Like, that was very much my like character in my early 20s. I would like waltz around with like a martini and be like, yeah, I'm like sexy and like flirty and out there. And everyone was like, cool, wow, this girl really like knows how to have a good time. Um, and I feel like, again, I feel like this is the crux of what we're talking about today, like the not needing to have sex to be intimate, I think perhaps comes with a level of um, confidence in yourself, which I definitely didn't have in my early 20s. I still found mm. a lot of validation in having sex with other people. And I kind of needed that validation from them, I think. And then I think over time what's happened is that I've become more comfortable with being vulnerable because I think you have to be in order to like be intimate and not be having sex, um, you have to be vulnerable. And I think I was not vulnerable in my early 20s. I was the same. I was just performing like what I thought was the vibe for everyone else and not for me. And I think, I don't know if I necessarily didn't learn stuff through that. I think I did. I think I learned things that I didn't mm. like. I also learned like things about what some people expect or um, I sort of did things. I think there's some part of putting on a character that can be really like protective of yourself, which is really nice. Like you can go into experiences, like different sexual experiences that maybe I wouldn't like choose to have again, but were really interesting, like a certain type of sex or a certain type of person. And because I was playing a character, it didn't impact me on like an emotional level. So I don't feel like yeah. it was, it did me harm, you know, but I just kind of was there yeah. experiencing it as a version of myself. And I'm like, cool, I've done that now and I'm not going to do it again, you know? Yeah. See, this is my complicated relationship with that whole period of my life too, because it, on one hand, I'm like, oh man, you were not having sex for the joy of it. You were having sex because you wanted to like bump this number up and feel like you could exist in some unspoken space where you were on the same level as everyone around you and you'd caught up after like kind of, you know, being a, a a significantly late bloomer thanks to a very like restrictive church, you know, early twenties. Mm. But at the same time, I am extremely pro casual sex and I'm extremely like, I have definitely had sex where I have separated it from intimacy completely. Yeah. And it's just been fun. And that's great. And I've had times in that all of those, the number that I got to, there were definitely times that were like super fun and I regret nothing. Um, mm. I suppose I just sort of look at it and go, yeah, like, you know, um, sex was definitely not about intimacy for me through that period at all. I, I think sex not being intimate is a really good thing. And I also think yeah. sex being intimate is really good. I don't think it has to be one or the other. I think that they're just different experiences mm. and there's different benefits to them, right? But then totally. also there's that third thing, which is then when you're having sex or you're like kind of constantly feeling like you're not having enough sex or whatever, as though that is a lack in your life. And mm. Maybe it is, but I also feel like I've been this person where I'm going, oh, God, like I'm having like I used to call them like, you know, a dry spell yeah. where I'm not having sex a lot and then or like I'm dating somebody and we're like not having sex for a period of time or not having as much sex as I think that we should be having yeah. and it all hinged on this idea of what other people are doing. It was never hinged on are we intimate enough, are we close enough, like yeah. It was never about that. 
It's interesting how that changes over time as well. Like I think when I was younger and my first ever boyfriend, um, we had sex a lot. And I think, yeah, it was sort of almost our relationship centered around it. Um, and it was kind of the thing that I felt the most powerful in. It's it's so interesting that you mentioned the religion thing as well, because I also grew up Catholic. It's probably not mm. quite as strict as what you were saying, but I definitely had um, experiences where I was taught that um, having sex with someone that you're not sort of, I guess, promised to or committed to or whatever um, means that you're devaluing yourself as a woman. So that was very much like messaging that I got as a young person. And then when I sort of got into my early 20s and started having casual sex and realizing that I was way more powerful than I was being told, um, it kind of surprised me. I was like, oh my God, like here I am having, you know, casual sex with all these people and I feel really in control of what's happening. Um, and I wasn't yeah. expecting to feel that way. So I think for me as well, like there was this massive thing around control and sex. And I feel like I was, I didn't want to let go of my, my control and power because I was, yeah, so protective of it. And then that stopped me from being intimate because um, I didn't want to give them any power, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing is I think to actually get to an intimacy, you have to be vulnerable. So you can absolutely have plenty of sex that has no intimacy attached to it whatsoever and that is great like we're not shaming that or no, saying no. anything bad about that and that's I suppose like a really important um you know point of difference here is that what I guess we're talking about is that you can explore intimacy outside of sex and sometimes we connect the two like they have to they're completely intertwined there's no other way to get that intimacy that you're craving without having sex yeah and like I I would say like you know how you were talking about your you know having that really intimate conversation and how that was so incredible and and vulnerable mm. I have had you know plenty of moments where I'm really like exposing parts of myself I guess not to get too like woo woo with it but not like my soul <laughs> or anything but just like things that matter to me and like like I think I'm a quite a um like I'm a very outgoing person, but I'm actually not that open a person. I think I reveal what I am comfortable revealing, things that I've already processed. And yeah. this was funny because, oh, my God, I'm going to do it again. Every episode I mention my therapist. Um, <laughs> my <Fair> therapist <laughs> once said this to me. She was like, you know, you like do you actually feel like you are vulnerable with people? And I was like. No, Ugh. actually, I'm not. And it might look from the outside like I really am because I write about my life all the time and I talk about stuff all the time, yeah. but they're things I've already processed. Like if it's something that I'm not completely sure where I stand on and I'm afraid of how other people are going to take what I'm about to say yeah. or like what their input's going to be, that can yeah. be really difficult. And, yeah, so I feel like when I've had those moments and not just with romantic partners, like – with friends, with family, the the level of intimacy there and like that bond that I then develop with that person has been like super magical and definitely beyond some of the intimacy that I've ever experienced from sex for sure. Yeah, definitely. I'm like, I think we sound like the same person. My therapist said the same <laughs> thing to me, literally. She goes, she's like, yeah, okay. Like you're out here talking about your life and you know, you're being so honest about things that other people maybe wouldn't be honest about, but isn't that already stuff that you're, you've processed? And I was like, oh <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> isn't it the funniest? Like it's so like, oh my God, what? <laughs> 
I know. I was like, I thought I was such an open person. (laughs) People are like, if I was sitting at a table of people, like I'm definitely the oversharer of the group, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've always just sort of identified as that. Um, and then, yeah, I've had this moment recently where I've been, I've been quite aware of the fact that, yeah, I am not open about things that are not, um, that I haven't figured out yet you know, or that I'm not totally sure about. Um, I do a lot of like my own, my own thinking <laughs> uh, and processing. Uh, and then I, and then I write about it usually, and then I talk about it. Um, but mm. yeah, I think it's, it's really, it's really interesting because I am starting to notice myself. Like I'm 27 now. So I'm starting to notice myself slowly become more comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Because for so long, I, and I think a lot of um, women and just people in general feel this way that you have to be, especially in intimate moments, this specific version of perfect. Like they've got this idea of what it looks like along like with sex and just intimacy in general, I think just because of how many movies we've watched and books we've read and, um, you know, literature that there is that's romanticizing like intimacy and sex. Um, I think we have these ideas of yeah, how we're supposed to be and how, like what is being portrayed as attractive. Um, so we don't want to feel uncomfortable or awkward or whatever. Um, and then as you get older, I think, and, and the people that you date or your friends or whatever um, start getting older too, you start to be like, oh, this is just a bit uncomfortable and that's okay. Um, I'm very mm. much only just now starting to feel like that. I mean, I wrote this article about um, – yeah, not needing intimacy, um, not needing sex to have intimacy last year in November. And that was Mm. kind of when it sort of started for me, that feeling of like, oh, okay, yep, I don't have to be this curated, like sexy, soft, like intimate woman. I can be like whoever I am in that moment and like show that to the person. And actually they're probably going to connect with me more if I'm just myself. Like messy. I always think of it like messy. Like I think... I definitely have like perfectionism issues and mm-hmm. I am that person to a T. I like to, I always liked to get information. This is why I used to like stalk exes, like online, not in person, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember I used to like stalk down like, all this information about exes because I wanted to know if they were dating again before mm. it was said to me because I didn't want someone to see me in that vulnerable moment where I found yeah, out. Yeah, like react in real time, yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to react in a private space so that then yeah. when someone told me I already knew, I'd processed it and I could put up my mask and be like, oh, yeah, that's fine, whatever. Like I yeah. was – and that – for me was a massive revelation of, wow, you're really not vulnerable. Like you are terrified of the messiness of actual Mm. vulnerability and like actual intimacy. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. I honestly think it took me until like my relationship now, it's probably my first long-term healthy relationship in that like it's actually like emotional availability and like not on Mm. again, off again and all that stuff. And it's probably not until this that I really actually saw what that looked like in relationships and like, how there's this like, you know, um, you know when people say, and I say this too, like I've always said, not always, but more recently said, there are better things than like sex. You know how everyone's like, nothing's better than sex. Sex is yeah. the best thing in the whole world. I'm like, ah, uh, no, I'm sorry. Here's a thing that's better than sex is <laughs> the finale of a TV show that I've been addicted to and it's going to be amazing. Um, yeah. A really big plate of homemade lasagna that has like 
mince that's been cooking for like six hours through the day. Oh, man, I did that the other day. That is the best. Right, right. And then like my doona on the couch. That experience is better Mm -hmm. than sex sometimes, some sex. Yeah. And, you know, like I just, and this is where I think I get, stuck sorry I feel like we're jumping all over the place but I love that in a conversation um yeah this is where I think I get so frustrated with our like social obsession with sex implying that we're having heaps of sex making mm. people feel bad if they're not having certain types of sex making people feel bad if they're having too much sex is just like why are we so obsessed with yeah. this act that is great sure in some circumstances but can also be crap just like anything that we do in life you know just like you can have a you know crappy work day and a great work day you can have crappy sex and great sex and like but we're obsessed with it being incredible all the time having Mm. constant incredible sex and like it's up on this the highest possible pedestal where it's almost like shameful if you ever say, like if I say that to some, like there would be people who would then be like, oh, she obviously hasn't had very good sex then if she thinks that's better. I'm like, don't pity, don't pity me. Like I'm saying this from a place of experience, guys. Like I, like I think as well, there's so much in the world that's romanticized and being a creative and a writer and a a, consumer of stories, like I've always loved escaping into a TV show or a book, right? And so you get lost in these worlds and you're like, oh my God, like going to a beautiful restaurant and jazz music and blah, blah, blah. Like it's so romantic. And or, you know, or meeting someone and having like this most passionate like love affair and you you read in all this stuff and then when it happens, and this has happened so much throughout my adult life, like literally since age 18, I have been just finding out, like reality has just been smacking me in the face, like left, mm-hmm. right and centre. Like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, it's actually not that romantic. It's actually, it's actually really simple. Like having sex is, it can be this whole big, beautiful thing in moments, but it's just an act that we do as humans, you know, we're animals, like we have sex. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, you know, sometimes it's really underwhelming. And that's just like, and that's, I think, just so important to learn because once you've had those experiences that are kind of like meh, then you go, okay, cool. So I don't actually need to be doing this all the time. I only need to be doing this when I really want to be doing it because then it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And usually that's, that's the truth. You know, usually it's like, you don't need to, I think you're so right when you say we're all just think we're having sex all the time. We force ourselves then to do it in moments where perhaps it's not feeling super aligned, but we're kind of, oh yeah, we'll just do it because it's sex and everyone has sex. Like, I think why I've gotten to a point where I'm just like, I'm not going to do it unless I really want to. Yeah. Well, that's like a hundred percent. That's exactly where I've gotten to as well, because I think I would put a lot of pressure on myself to be having sex more often than I even really like desired to. Um, I've had like ebbs and flows thanks to like medication I've been on and things like that, where I've then gotten really fixated on this idea that I don't really want sex as much as I used to. I've just had periods of my life where I'm really stressed or whatever, or like, I'm just not feeling it. I don't know. And I used to really like get down on myself about that. And, and again, like go into this headspace of like, you're defective. You need to fix this. This isn't okay. Why? And like in a Mm. relationship, right. I feel like it does get a little bit more complicated because you can have imbalanced sex drives. Right. But at the same time, honestly, there's also all this pressure to be doing it heaps more than you actually really want to together like honestly yeah. like it's like if, if if even if both of you are like t- 
totally fine with how often you're having sex. There's still this like feeling of like shame or judgment of like, oh no. And, and, and it comes from everything. It comes from movies. It comes from media. It comes from social media. It's, your friends, it's coming, like people around your you. Friends. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And like when you, like when you have, I always think it's a sign of a great friend is when everyone's just like super honest with each other, but then you'll always mm-hmm. have like a friend or like an acquaintance who wants to like prove that they are the best at sex or like having the most sex or something like that you know and I'm just like god like if we all just were honest I think we'd all find out that actually we all go through these periods um but it is like I guess more complicated because you you do have this other person other other person factored in and like I think that's where going and seeing like a sex therapist can really help and you know like talking through ways that you can meet in the middle i think um the intimacy without sex in this moment is really important because it depending on whether or not like you're in a relationship or you're casually dating or whatever like i think the point is is that sex is sex right and there's a couple of different ways you can do it but basically it's the same thing every time depending on you know yeah your your sexuality and who you're having sex with but there's so much stuff surrounding sex and intimacy and closeness with somebody that isn't actually doing sex, like having sex, um, that I think is really important in moments like this because you can kind of lean on those things with your partner or the person you're having sex with, like during those periods where maybe you're not feeling like having sex. And I think that is a really important aspect of a relationship or just like a part of yourself to explore. Like, there's just, there's so much like this intimate conversations, there's touching, there's like cuddling, there's like slow dancing. There's like all these things you can do um, that is physically close with someone, but also like emotionally close with them. And it can sometimes feel a lot more intimate than sex. And then in turn, make the sex that you have, whether it be with them or somebody else, so much better because you're feeling a lot more comfortable to like open up Um, intimately. And I just, yeah, I think like we just think about sex as just such a black and white, oh, it's Mm -hmm. just like, you know, having sex. I'm like, no, there's a whole like world of things that surround sex that you can do and you should be doing um, because you're sort of letting yourself down if you're not, like you're not having the full experience, you know? Well, this is the thing is that I think when we talk about sex socially and culturally, especially like Western culture, we're talking about sexual intercourse and that's ridiculous because that's like literally one tiny slice of the pie and we all know that but we also don't know that and so we we get really fixated on like oh we're not doing this little part of the pie enough but like Mm. there's so many other things like you said there's you know touching and there's all this foreplay stuff and often that will then get you in the mood to venture on to that slice of the pie but even if it doesn't that's fine but like I think that yeah like because we get so fixated on it it's like we then end up in these scenarios where we're just doing it because we want to like tick a box kind of thing and I guess that's where I was going when I was talking about like you know all those sexual partners that I had to get to a number I was just ticking a box like I wasn't really having casual sex for the fun of it. And then once I kind of got past that, it, it was so much more fun to just like have hookups sometimes or like whatever yeah. because I wasn't ticking that box anymore. Yeah, when you sort of start actually connecting with people and it can be really fun to have these like little, you know, casual connections with people that maybe you wouldn't expect to or whatever. I think, yeah, opening yourself up to to being a little bit more vulnerable is actually like a super powerful, powerful thing. And and intimacy can actually also be really, really fun. Like I think, 
you know, getting close to someone and sort of showing parts of yourself that you don't show in your like daily life is, is like, I think where the enjoyment of sex comes from. Like when I, when I like go back and read books that I read when I was younger and I sort of try to understand like where the romanticized like vibes come from, like why is this experience being so romanticized? It's really everything surrounding the sex that is the romantic stuff. Like it's not Mm. actually the sex itself a lot of the time. And I think, yeah, we like lose that. Somewhere along the way, it, we lose, we, we we forget about it or something. We forget about the build-up. We forget about the, you know, the conversations and the little parts of yourself that, you know, you get to reveal and somebody else gets to see that's, like, really special that you don't show, like, the rest of the world. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know why this is happening, like, at this age stage of my life. I, I feel like I had to go through all of that performative sex to get here you know what I mean yeah yeah well I think also like culturally we have just started to like only it's only been like I honestly reckon a few years that we have really like in Australia like Mm. started to explore these kinds of honest conversations I don't know when I was growing up they were not around I literally went through my 20s and it was you know very much hinged on you still need to like find a man like 10 ways to get a man to think you're amazing in bed or whatever so I think all the performative stuff it's really hard to like untrain your brain in and then to just do what you actually want to do when you want to do it as opposed to doing things for others or because you think there's some standard you have to adhere to yeah it is crazy isn't it that this conversation hasn't really been happening until the last couple of years like I'm the same you know I mean i grew up reading Dolly magazine and, and, you know, romance novels and watching rom-coms, which, you know, to be honest, are, I still kind of iconic today, but when you, when you re-watch them, you're kind of like, oh, okay, this makes sense as to why I felt that way then at age 12, you know, like I understand <laughs> why, why I was thinking that I had to like, you know, like show the boys how pretty I was, but yeah, like, I can't believe that we've only just started doing this now. Um, sometimes I have to remind myself because I feel like I've always done it because I've always been like trying to figure it out. And so I've just sort of been talking about it and blurting stuff out forever. But I think a lot of people have not. I still sometimes get some some reactions that like people get really shocked still. Like even in public, if I'll be at a bar and, you know, with a group of friends or something and there's someone there who is like a mutual friend, but I don't know them. And I'll start talking about something. I sometimes I'll still get a bit of like, what? <laughs> you know, yeah, like, oh, yeah, she's really, yeah. she's really going there. She's talking about, she's talking about this. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, how else am I supposed to, how else are we supposed to relate to each other and, and understand what's going on with like life and ourselves if we don't talk about this? Now we just want to take a moment to share about our sponsor, Yuli. Yuli is saying buck that to the traditional healthcare system by offering a hassle-free online service that empowers women with a modern approach to discreet, convenient healthcare and medicine. Get faster access to medical certificates, treatments and prescriptions like the contraceptive pill, emergency contraception such as the morning after pill, acne treatments, weight management, sexual health, even assistance to help you quit vaping. And it's all delivered to your door or inbox thanks to their innovative online health service. So say buck that and get online by visiting yuli at yuli.com.au to get your health sorted. Well, also, how are we going to break down like some of these really toxic ideas that we have in our heads that we, because when we don't talk about it, and this is a thing I think for women, I think it was encouraged for us not to talk about sex because sex was meant to be this thing that just pleased a man. And so we were really discouraged to talk about sex. Um, 
And so now that we are talking about it, like it's going to, I think for some people and, 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 you know, depending on how comfortable you are exploring these sort of, cause these, these are really vulnerable conversations to have. Like it, it takes like courage to go, Hey, I don't want to have sex as much as everybody else seems to be telling me I should have sex or like, you know, I'm going through a period where me and my partner are just not really having sex and we're okay with it. Like these are like, you know, you're really pushing against the grain still to this day, Mm. even though we're we're having these conversations. Um, So I think that it is hard, yeah, for some people to open up. And sometimes I think that the like rebound effect of that is that then they shame others to kind of avoid dealing with that or facing that or to position themselves, you know, in a way that yeah. makes them feel good about themselves, which I hate. It's my most hated thing. Yes. Don't do that. I know. But yeah. <laughs> but it's even it's even funny. Like I'm even having an experience currently where I I'm kind of dating this person or I don't even really know. We're not at the stage of dating yet, I wouldn't say. But um I've known them for a really long time and and recently our dynamic has shifted. You know, when you just kind of you see someone mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, okay, uh, this is different. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we've ha- we're having, I'm having this moment with somebody and I really like them and they really like me and they're also the kind of person who I want to be like friends with regardless of how the dynamic plays out. Um, yeah. So I'm feeling very unsure on how to approach like the sexy side of the dynamic because, and it's so funny because, you know, there's no like way to go about it. I feel even now, like having done all of the talking and all of the writing and experiencing so much stuff, I'm still like in this moment, oh my God, when is too early to have sex? Like, should we be having mm. sex straight away? Like, should we be just kind of having conversations going slowly because we already know each other and we should get to know each other deeper before we make that decision? Like I'm having so many thoughts about it even now. Um, and it's so confusing because I think regardless of how much, you know, quote unquote work I've done, um, I still feel like this little sense inside of me that is saying, um, if you have sex too early, it's risky, you know? Mm -hmm. And I hate that. I'm like, why do I still believe that? Like, why do I like inherently think that that is an issue? Um, you know, like what is the right way to go about things? It's just, it's so tricky even still, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's what I mean. Like, I think that these are like longstanding kind of thought processes that we've, we've inherited over time, just handed down generation after generation that we're only really just starting to break. Like the concept of you can have sex whenever you want when you're dating somebody and it's not going to like ruin the relationship is completely new. Oh my gosh. Even like, Like I feel like it wasn't until like the last few people I dated before my now partner that I started to like be like whatever, I'm not going to care about that. Like there were so many guys before that where I was like three dates, it has to be three dates, can't sleep with them yet. Or like I'm going to push it to five dates this time or something. Like so weird, so weird. Um, I really wanted to come back real quick before we wrap up to romantic comedies and romantic stories and all of this because I really think that a lot of our beliefs around what is right and wrong in terms of how often we're having sex and how where we're finding intimacy and how what that looks like, particularly in a romantic sense, comes from this, you know, diet of these films and these books. 
but I don't think they're bad. And I'm with you on this. I love them still. I actually just rewatched. It's this. Oh my god, it's the worst movie. Um, this is so shameful. Um, Netflix's. It's called Purple Hearts. It's like oh, he's yeah. in the I've army and she's yeah. a singer. Um, I love it. I'm mm-hmm. so ashamed yeah. that I love it. Because <laughs> no, <laughs> it's don't really be. not good. It's not even a good one. It's like a bad <laughs> one. But I still love watching that stuff. It still makes me feel a warm and fuzzy. I like watching yeah. love stories. I think the difference is as I've gotten older, I've been able to separate them as stories and go, that's tapping into an emotion that mm. is not actually how intimacy looks. Like, yeah. like you said, from 18 onwards, you started just having life hit you in the face and go, hey, this is what this actually looks like. This is what this actually feels yes. like. And I think that for some of us, we like, and this is me, like this was me until really recently. And I'm, a, I'm like older than you. So it's taken me a lot longer to get to this point is I was so conflicted because I would be comparing my own sex life, my own dating life, my own relationships to movies, to books and being like they're not stacking up. It's not looking like this. I don't have this like chemical attraction that makes me want to rip their clothes off at all times. I'm not having all this wild Fifty Shades of Grey sex. Like what is going on? And it took me a really long time to realise that they're just stories. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I think when I was, yeah, when I was younger, I mean, I feel like this happened, the disappointment (laughs) happened quite early for me. Um, I remember having this experience with a guy when I was 14 and he had like told me he loved me over MSN. Um, And of course. (laughs) And I was like, okay, like this was not like 100% what I was hoping for when the first person ever tells me they love me, but like that's okay. And I kept sort of being like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. And then in real life, we had this. Um, you know this moment of where we kissed and it was just nothing and I was like Mm. oh my god like I don't feel the thing that I'm seeing on tv I'm not feeling that like that moment of yeah magic I guess is what I was expecting um and then yeah as I've gotten older that those like moments have kept happening and I think it's one of those things where you just need to go into everything without expectation and following your own feeling And then usually if you've got like a good feeling about something, then those like magical feelings, they're definitely there. It's so dangerous, I think, but there's no way around it. It's so dangerous to try and put um, a mainstream image or description um, around a feeling because Mm -hmm. it's always going to be different for everybody. Like, you know, your first kiss is not going to be like Hilary Duff and Chad Michael Murray in the bleachers under the rain, you know. (laughs) It's not. Because you're not them. <laughs> so And you don't have like, music playing in the background. Yes. Like this is the other thing. Sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, if this if we took the music off this film, would it be even that romantic? <laughs> Probably not. Like Truly. sorry that I don't have that really beautiful Jimmy Eats World song playing while we're kissing in the rain, you know? Like it's it's just not like it's not no. like that. And and don't you find that you you find those moments of beautiful intimacy and like really special magic at really strange periods of dating like in like the weirdest scenario you could be like driving back in the uber and they're Mm -hmm. like do you want to go to mine instead I don't know I like the weirdest memories make me smile of periods when I was dating people like I remember this guy that I had the biggest crush on and then we were at some party and we'd had a few drinks and then we're waiting out like for separate Ubers and he was like oh do you want to just share an Uber and that (laughs) see I'm smiling now as I think about it I was like that was 
magic because it was like in that moment I knew we were going to go back to his place and I think I have it such so vividly in my head and also another one I want to say out there is don't feel bad if you still smile about moments from the past when you're in a happy relationship I think it is so completely fine and normal and healthy and I'm like a big advocate of that it's like you don't have to pretend that you never had love or romance or moments before you meet your partner like what that's crazy also like everyone just needs to stop playing it cool like let's stop playing it cool I'm so sick of people trying to play it cool I literally like this is so lame but I'm gonna admit it to the world because I I don't think I've ever told anyone this, but I literally like if I have <laughs> if I have like a really romantic moment with somebody or somebody says something to me or whatever that I want to remember, I put it down in my notes and I've got literally a notes thing on my phone that is like oh every time someone has done something that has been like, and you know, it's like really small stuff, but like such poignant moments in my life. And every mm-hmm. time I'm having a bad day. <laughs> Or like I watch a really like beautiful romantic comedy and I'm like, oh, I'm alone. Um, I go like and look at, you know, these things that have happened and, and I just like, yeah, I smile remembering like, you know, myself in that moment. Usually they're like really unexpected and they come, yeah, they come out of the blue and there's someone that maybe you didn't think felt the same way or like whatever. And it just makes you smile and you're like, it's okay. Like there is magic in the world. <laughs> like It's, you know, like I've experienced it. I love that, yeah. but that's what I mean. Like, and they're always, yeah, they're moments that do not necessarily look like a movie. Sometimes they do, but they don't usually. And like, if you put music behind them, they probably would look like a movie. But the the sad fact of life is we don't get to pick a soundtrack that just plays when we want it to. So yeah, that is actually yes. the sad fact of life. Yeah. I, I think that think would that's be a that. sad fact of life. <laughs> Truly. That would make my life so much better if there was just like a random amazing song playing every time something great happened. If I was feeling sad, if there was a really beautiful sad symphony happening, I think it would just really add yes. some romance. <laughs> and then can I just shed a single tear while I'm looking out the bus window? That would be perfect. Thanks, oh, world. Yes. That's the dream. But, yes, look, um, thank you so much for this chat. I have adored it. It's my favourite topic. I love breaking down stuff that makes us feel bad about ourselves and makes us, like, compare ourselves to other people. It's so silly. I just think, like, we'd all be so much happier if we just went with the flow of life and really, like, you know, had had an open mind about where we find these intimate moments and and taking a bit of the pressure off ourselves to have sex to achieve them. Yeah, you don't have to be having sex all the time. I think that's just like the main point that we're trying to make. Yeah, I feel that's like we've the jumped main around. Takeaway. Yeah, we've jumped around so much, and I've loved every minute of it. <laughs> well, look, this podcast now is our diary, so that's where we yeah. got to. I think. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <But> yes, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Laura, for coming on, and as always, see us back here next week for another episode. Bye. Thank you for tuning into Pop Sugar's Love Rants. Join us again next week as we navigate the vulnerability, embarrassment, and preciousness of love and self-love. Follow yuli.com.au on Instagram and TikTok to stay up to date on all things women's health.